Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's good is Chris Dells. This is Trapping Anonymous, of course. Uh, just want to take some time in the beginning of this episode, the third installment of the Hedge Fund Anonymous series, to really tell y'all com, TrappinLemonade.com. That's T-R-A-P-P-I-N-L-E-M-O-N-A-D-E.com. TrappinLemonade.com. Um... I really want y'all to get up on that website, uh, support me. I'm putting out these sweatsuits in collaboration with Lemonade Stand. Um, it's a way to support me. It's a way to stay fly, way to stay fresh. Um, it's a way to keep Trapping Anonymous going. So if you enjoy these episodes and, you know what I'm saying, you're looking for a way to support us and help this engine keeping keeping it going and all that, just uh, make sure you support on this end too. Um, you could also check it out on my um my Instagram at Chris Styles. Um, you know, it's just a it's a it's something new, you know what I'm saying? Some lifestyle shit that we gonna we gonna put out and just try to um you know, make sure this shit lasts forever. Um, so if you wanna support Trapping Anonymous, pick up your sweatsuit. That sweatsuit will be live. Um, for everybody to cop, I appreciate all my listeners. Everybody that's ever tuned in, um, let's get it. What's good? My name is Chris Dales. This is Trapping Anonymous. Uh, this is the Hedge Fund Anonymous series. This is probably, I think, the third installment. Um, got a lot, a lot of feedback, you know, during the releasings of these this this particular series. So. I definitely thought, why not? Let's keep it going. Let's keep feeding the culture, answer some questions from some emails that I've been receiving, and just keep spreading this knowledge the way uh, you know Traveling Anonymous for doing. So, you know, I appreciate everybody for tuning in and uh, really being a part of this journey. Hopefully you get the tools that you need that could – you know, start your own road to success, financial freedom, and um, the life that you really want to live and be able to afford it. This is Trapping Anonymous. This is Head Fund Anonymous, the series. My name is Chris Styles. Let's get it. What's good, man? We back. Hey, we back. How are you? How are you? I'm good, man. I'm happy I got a chance to come back out here. Really good to see you again. Yeah, man. <laughs> the opportunity to kick it with you again. And, you know what I'm saying? And live like a king for a couple days. 
That's all you, man. That's, that's how I'll be looking at it. That's um, all you. Before we get into this, matter of fact, let's jump right into this. We sure. was having a conversation. Yeah. And you said if somebody had come to me with $500, you tell them what? I would tell them that you're not ready for this. You're not built for this. People would be like, oh, I have, um, I want to get, I want to invest or I want to get into the stock market. I've got $500 and I will tell you, you can't do anything. You can't do anything with $10,000. Like it has nothing to do with where you're being turned away because, oh, your money isn't good here. Even 10,000 is not necessarily going to do it. You know, you, you need more than that. Um, you don't need an astronomical sum of money. I don't think $25,000 is a lot of money. I know to a lot of people it might, it's going to seem it's a lot of money. But let me give you, let me give you two points of reference so you can understand what I mean. Um, if you've ever traded stocks before, if you've ever looked at stocks before, there's a thing called margin. I won't get too far off topic. It'll be right on topic. But with margin, if you have $25,000, the brokerage house will lend you another twenty-five, so you'll have $50,000. They will give you another $25,000? That is correct, yes. But this is money that they that you have to use within the market. Yeah, you just use it within the market, yeah. Okay. But it gives you more buying power. So, in essence, what have you just done? You've doubled how much money you have. So, if you buy a position, just like we were talking about the Fat Burger IPO, if that doubles, you've just doubled your money. But you've borrowed the money to double your money. You're so, not even using your own Yeah, you're not money. using your own. So, you had the 25. You've now just made 50. They you basically just want to see that you have money. No, it's a regulation that was formed by... Um, the Securities and Exchange Commission, because what used to happen is that if you buy and sell things multiple times, they have a settlement date. Just like if you bought a house, it has a settlement date. Right. The settlement date would would be three days um, outside of when you bought it, and it would cause a problem where people wouldn't necessarily have the money to fulfill the trade. It's right. just a, it's just a means of making sure people okay. can pay for their shit. All right. Yeah. But um, so just to go back to what I was saying, it's that. That's why you want to use twenty five thousand, ten thousand. Like uh, you know, I've referenced it in the other um, Entrepreneur Anonymous um, podcast. The problem with the ten thousand is that it's going to grow so slow that you're not going to care anymore. If right. I'm in the position of a person who wants to have money to invest and do things, the first thing I would start in this country is a service based business. This isn't a consumer yeah, because you know business. I got a lot of listeners. I'm not consumer or manufacturer based businesses. I got a lot of listeners and. Let's be quite frank. They ain't got ten thousand dollars. They ain't got twenty five thousand mm -hmm. dollars. You know what I'm saying? Just to just go ahead and and and, and invest it. So overall, people let's let's say they do get the ten to twenty five thousand dollars. That's probably not the first thing they could do with it. <laughs> I understand. Let's be real. All right. So, All right. But so how does a person get to even making or even having that kind of money? So it's all. I think in this society um american america's capitalism you have to have a service-based business a lot of people are into product-based businesses so service-based businesses are things where you know whether it's a maid service whether it's a um a tutoring business things like that um things that it takes your time in order for you to make money as opposed to it takes a product in order for you to make money what people often misunderstand and especially because on instagram will will fuck your mind up and make you think it's different is that I'm going to make a product and then I'm going to sell it. 
But the problem with making a product, if you've ever talked to someone who's ever made a product, is that you have to look at the inventory and you have to hope that that shit sells. Yeah. And when it doesn't sell, it's looking back at you in the face and it's going to come out of vogue at some point. You know, no matter what, if a girl has a swimsuit line, if a dude is selling T-shirts, jerseys, you know, like one of those things where everyone's making like those jerseys to like popular movies or the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, things like that. It yeah. doesn't work because at some point it's not popular anymore. Case in point is American Apparel, where they where uh, the CEO Yo, Duff, dog, they was selling white tees for like fifty dollars. <laughs> like, it was expensive. What the fuck. It was expensive. But H and M and Zara were whooping their ass. And you know how you can see how dominant it is because how many H and M's are on every fucking corner in New York City? Everywhere. Like you can be on Fifth Avenue and there's six. I think there's six of them on Fifth Avenue. Well, Fifth Avenue is not that fucking long, man. Right. But it's because the price point is so low, right? So I say that to say, you are not gonna you are not going to compete with someone who manufactures in China and you're in America trying to manufacture. You're going to lose every time because the economics of scale have already been set. You can't change that, right? But with service, you can always find a means of co competition. I'll even show you even where it's even more positive and true, uh, proof positive and true. Excuse me. Your iPhone that you use is not manufactured in America. It is manufactured in China by Foxcom. So that even tells you even a product to that extent is they're assembled in China. What so makes you think that you gonna you, you're going to be able to compete when they're even aware this is a company with no debt. Apple has no debt that you're going to compete with those kind of companies that know I have to manufacture in China because it is just that much cheaper. You, you, I don't the other thing we spoke yeah. about was eliminating debt. Yeah. Uh, I speak to people, entrepreneurs, and you know, <clears throat> people within the business, and they're like, "Yeah, debt is fine. You know, you can have debt and just acquire more things and just get more money and spend their money. Don't spend your money." What do you say about that? No, I, I don't think um, it's a good idea if you're an entrepreneur. If you are a consumer, like if you're a person who I say I have a job, I'm getting a check every two weeks. Yes, but if you are an entrepreneur, go through most entrepreneurs' bankruptcies. Like we were just at a, at a popular um, night spot establishment out here today, right? Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so we're out here, and you see, I know personally because I know the owner of that place. If you were to ever read his bankruptcy documents, I'll I'll just list off a few things that were in there. About forty thousand dollars owed to owed to Neiman Marcus. Uh, about another two hundred thousand owed to Mercedes Benz. Um, on top of leases, on top of um, rentals for property, things yeah. like that. Point of what I'm just saying is that you're leveraged up, right? So as your money comes in, it goes right back out to the bills. If you've seen most successful people who are entrepreneurs, they own it for cash, or if they have a finance, the finance is literally cheap as shit, or you know, it's almost zero percent because. To keep debt just because you have credit just means you don't have enough cash flow to own what you have. Who Who's the guy that you said had or went broke, but he was happy because he actually bought something with his money? Oh, it was Irv, Irv Gotti. So, man, I think not, not enough people listen to Irv and they think of it like, oh, man, 50 finished them niggas, whatever. But let me tell you, if you've ever done your research, for two years straight, Irv built $100 million through Murder, Inc., a hundred million. That's a that's a hard fucking thing to do, man. A yeah, hundred million, two years running, 
and that's around that time where they had their you know their biggest run but what what happened with Irv when Irv was explaining that story if you listen to that story and it's a great business story for business people he explains that he was going through the time where the feds were freezing their assets they had already contacted uh, Universal and Def Jam that if you do any more business you give these guys any more money we think you're money laundering to yeah. us to yeah. preem so he said so his his accountant at the time was telling him like yo you should just mortgage this property you know you get money just mortgage this property and you know, your big penthouse in Tribeca and you'll be all right Irv was like he's lucky that he never mortgaged the property or he would have lost the property like Dame lost his properties mm. Dame used to have two 50 million dollar penthouses or somewhere around 50 million in um in Tribeca when Dame got on hard times and Jay got him out of there he did not keep those properties. They foreclosed both of those penthouses. But when you pay for it outright, yeah, it's yours. It's his. You it's, can sell it. You can sell sit it. on it. Yeah, you do whatever you sit, want. Yeah, you're, in a, you're just okay. At the end of the day, you want to acquire. Yeah. Because Irv will tell you one thing that's straight up. He's like, listen, he's like, I, my catalog, it may not pay me millions of dollars a year, but I could live off my catalog. Another thing that uh, we could probably dispel in this podcast Um. Puff ain't start from the bottom like people think he did. No, yo, we want. I wanted to talk to you about that so bad because it, it's not where I have an issue with Puff. I, like I look up to Puff a lot. One of the main reasons I even like when I was young, I was like I want a Bentley. I want like because I used to see Puff, you know. But the problem is when you were seeing that sh um, short film, Can't Stop, Won't Stop. Yeah, that shit's not telling you what he's really going through. It's telling you that hey, I got uh, Andre had to get me out of there it um uptown and when he had to get me out of there in uptown you know i was like in my home in scarsdale like yeah. yo what's next what's happening yeah okay listen to what andre says andre says that's the best thing i ever did for him mm -hmm. i got him rich verbatim andre says this because when andre releases him from um from uptown and fires him because you know the executives uh, the, uh, the partnership executives didn't want to deal with puff anymore he introduces him to uh clive davis and yeah. Clive cuts him a $40 million check for Def, uh, not for Def Jam, excuse me, for Bad Boy. Yeah. So let's take it back. Puff got $40 million for Bad Boy. That's for overhead, for office, yeah. for advances. Yeah. So when you say what that Bad Boy lifestyle was, when Puff, in, in some of his vignettes that weren't in the film, they were just vignettes on his Instagram, he was like, yo. He said, like, I was putting everything ice. I was, you know, he, he was he was balling. He was balling. But y'all not realizing. And then I'll tell you one other story just because I really wanted to hit home to people. It, it has nothing to do with, like, that Puff isn't who he is. It's just that you, you got to, people need to give you the true nitty gritty of how it happens. Puff put in his time. That's how he got where he got. He was the talk of the industry and Billboard and other places. Believe me, he was. That's the truth. It, what, it didn't just like fall in his lap. I'm just saying that he wasn't on his ass like they're making you think. So Stevie J had an interview. And we'll talk about Stevie J in a different point because there's some publishing stuff that I want to talk to you about about that. But Stevie J had an interview and Stevie and even in Mark Curry's book, they're talking like, Yo, you know, everybody's buying jewels, everybody's getting money. Yeah. And they're like, yo, you know, we about to, you know, we about to be out here. Puff telling them, like, yo, I bet you won't buy the iced out Roly plus the iced out bracelet. Right. Stevie's like, yo, you, you think I won't? He's like, I'm going to buy it too. And he buys it too. When Puff is buying it, he's buying it with overhead. He's, he's not buying it with the money out of his pocket. He got for the label. He's not using it for money that he made last yeah, night. Yeah, he's using overhead and promotion 
to buy that piece. So ain't even his money. It's not. It's not the same. Um, <laughs> we spoke about a guy that uh, went into Rolls Royce and just bought the car and never spent a dime because he, you know, borrowed money against his stock options and things. Like yeah, that. yeah. We had a um, we had a client that was at the firm, and he calls in one day. He's like, yo, I'm at the dealership. This is around the financial crisis, so dealership trying to get rid of anything that's expensive, anything that's on their books. Shit, if we could sell it, let's sell it. Yeah. And they're like, oh, well, we have this uh, Phantom, and this is around the time where, you know, the Phantoms had just, uh, just you know, they, they weren't just out, but they were getting popular, and, you know, they're trying to offload some stuff, and he's like, they're offering me $100,000 off. It's like, yeah. I want it. We were like, okay. We, we, he didn't sell any of his stock. We just margined it. So he owned stock at $10. Exxon was probably about $70, $75 a share at the time. He borrowed against the stock and bought the car. And then how he paid for the car is that probably like a year from that point, he was going to get another set of vested options. And from those vested options, he would pay off the balance on, his, on, the, on the car. But he's not paying it to the loan company. He's just paying it to himself. He'll cash he's him in. He's never using yeah. his own money. Exactly, yeah. These were just stock awards that had been given to him already. It's because um, we need to educate people on the market because instead of taking your money and, I don't know, investing it in God knows what, <laughs> you can literally make a good chunk of change in the market and not only make that money in there, they'll give you money while you're in there making your money. Yes. And then you could take out loans with the money that they gave you. The cheapest time that you could have used margin was uh, right until the point where they started raising interest rates. So in essence, like in my fund, my fund before margin is about $17 million. My margin is 10 to 1. So multiply 17 by 10. So 117 million, right? Right. That's what they give me on margin. And then they charge me 1.5% uh, on the on the. 117 well not the 117 so on the hundred because i already have the 17 so on the hundred they charge me that what yeah that but that's what margin is and they and they do it based off of a, a thing called libor libor is the basis point for where the fed the federal reserve yep. lends a bank money and then the bank charges an interest rate on top of it like when you want to buy your house you're going to pay 3%. There's a point where it's called Fed funds rate, LIBOR rate, yeah. where they give it to the bank, and then the bank puts points on your mortgage. That's how you get 3%, 4%, et cetera. That's where that number comes yes, from. Yes, that's their profit. They borrow it, mark it up, lend it. On a daily basis, how much money do you say you spend, maybe in a week? Um, where does it go to? It go, a lot of it just goes to operating capital. Uh, it goes to living my life as well as just paying incidental costs. I spend money every day. I probably spend uh, probably anywhere from three to three to three to five thousand dollars probably on a daily basis. Um, every yeah. day. Yeah, roughly. Yeah. On different things. Yeah. And. Is a lot of this money going back into you, or is this going into your lifestyle? Um, from lifestyle to business to um to just everything. That's just because there's seven businesses, so there's always something that needs money. Yeah. Um, a, a monthly basis, like we definitely are going to spend over twenty thousand dollars on yeah. a, a monthly. Because basis. I just think yeah. it's important that we got to 
more so cut out our vices as much as possible, right? Yeah. Like 100%. we have, you have people trying to say they're trying to save money because they want to have enough money to be able to invest and do things with. But like, you have vices that are just eating up your funds. Oh, I think I think the people have it asked backwards. Actually, I think if you're sitting here to say that you want to save money so you can get in to business, you'll never get into business. Business mm. is about generating money. Mm. I always tell this to my friends and, and, and things like that. Even my girl, my girl would be saying like, oh, you know, this, that, and the third. And once I always I, tell her. Once I, once I get uh, $50,000, yeah. then I'm going to invest in here. It don't work like that. You need to have your cash flow popping. Like people will say like, oh, these niggas go broke because they spending all their money on this, that, and the third. And I was like, no, I, I buy expensive jewelry and all that stuff all, all the time. It's that you need to actually have a revenue stream that replaces it. And what actually makes them go broke is not what they spent. It's that they are no longer popular anymore. So they don't have that, uh, that earning power. They don't have that demanding power anymore. If a guy could make $20 million for the rest of his life, how are you going to go broke? He's not going to go broke. There's another 20 coming. I had a family member, you know, they ran into a large sum of money. And when they got that money, they were spending that money, but there was nothing to replace the money. Nothing ever came in, yeah. So, yeah, you have all this money. Even if I say I'm investing it, that investment could go bad. Easily. Yeah. That investment does not have to always work out in your favor. That is true. And once that money is gone, it's gone. And this, and that's why you see it with athletes is because if this person doesn't have that sort of education, I don't care how much you've paid him, when he's done, if he had a three-year run in the league or whatever, he can never make another million dollars. Mm -hmm. Like you follow, like there's not another way to get it. You need to be in the <laughs> business of generating money. Yes. That's what constantly, constantly, constantly. You should, you just like I break down my week, my month. You need to break down your week and your month. There's, a, there's goals that you're supposed to reach. If you can't reach those, then you're going to have a problem. A service-based business is a great way for people who don't have money immediately to get in and 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 do something. Even if you're starting with a cleaning business, that I know these sound like rudimentary kind of businesses, but what you need to understand is what is the margin in these businesses. The other thing that people often forget is margin. Like when guys want to start clothing lines in these things, the reason they find it so hard is because there's no margin, in not enough margin right. in it for you. You need margin in order to, for you to be able to actually be very successful at it. Look on the Forbes. That's another one that I want to say, just not to cut you off, but I just want to say look on the Forbes. How many people have made their money off of financial services or some form of service if they did not inherit it? The majority of them. A lot of tech is a service-based product that is just packaged to you like it's a product, but it's highly service-based. And if it wasn't service-based, then how, how can so much of it just turn all internet and digital only? You don't actually need to buy no physical copies of this shit no more. Yeah. It's online. Everything. They'll update it for you. Yeah. It's highly, you know, service related. Um that's powerful right there. Um because I feel like everybody's like, "Oh, yeah, I'm going to make a t-shirt company. Oh, I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm going to make something that's in, something mm -hmm. that's trendy. I'm going to make makeup. I'm going to make makeup thing. Yeah. These things come in and out of style. Like even I remember before wigs was even popping like that. If a girl had a wig on, you was they was roasting your ass. They was getting you up out of here. You know what I mean? Now wigs is the thing. 
I think that there's going to come a time where that big clientele for those wigs. It's going to go away. It's going to go away. Yeah, and then girls going to want to do something anymore. else. Yep. And we just got to find laundry mats. Yeah. People are going to always have to be able to wash their clothes. Yeah, laundromat is a great way to go. Um, and it's it's a it's a little bit harder to get into because um, I, I know because my college roommate went for the little time I was in college, his family owned a laundromat. But you want to know where um, they did make great money? Uh, batteries. I know it sounds odd, but uh, you could pretty much, all you need to do is get connected with people who own dollar stores, bodegas, places like that. You can import batteries, package them, and sell them. What? His fam that's where his family made his money. They they would just import batteries. But the reason why it was easier for them is they were Chinese. So they were they yeah, they, they, they knew mainland that. China. Yeah. And they would but their batteries were called Everrich. All they had was a it was a uh, a little factory in Brooklyn. They didn't actually make the batteries in the factory. They would get the batteries to come to the Package US it. and they would distribute them around the local bodegas in in Brooklyn and then they would turn around and ship um the bulk of their orders to South America. What? And they weren't Duracell or anything. They didn't advertise at all. They, they were the brands that you would find that they would be the no-name brand. I know, I know. Yeah, those, yeah. But they they sent him to college, his brother to college, all cash, and they had a great house. What, what about um? What about the other businesses that people could could, could do themselves? Like all they have to really, really do is put in the work. You gotta gotta put in the work, no matter what. You yep. just have to put in the work. I love Kobe's quote where he said, like, you know, the only way to greatness is, is time. You know, there's no substitute for time. Like, I'm, I'm a big proponent of Kobe because for two quotes, that one that he talked about, about time and the fact that, um, you know, he doesn't understand lazy people. He doesn't want to understand them and he just doesn't want them around him. And I'm the same way. I, I understand it. But you want to be in business or you want to get into service related businesses. Like I said, very simple businesses. Um, another really great one. I was saying it was just like it's a business that I own, and I don't mind telling people how I do it because it doesn't stop anything. This is public information. Um, my my debt settlement and business. And also, people don't want to. Yeah, they don't want to work. They don't want to work. So, but my debt related business is is as simple as this. In every state, if you've ever seen a commercial for uh, a national debt relief. My business is just a smaller business of national debt relief. What does that mean? What What is that? What, what, so, talk to us. so we have an issue in America where a lot of people are in debt, credit card debt, not student loan debt. You can't get out of that. That shit's following you to your grave. Yeah. But, <laughs> but all your other debts that are dischargeable through uh, bankruptcy. Um, what we do for people is um, I employ a paralegal, not an attorney, just a paralegal. We get civil court data leads. So just like a civil court data lead is where someone sued you. A credit card company sued you because you ain't pay your debts, or um, or you got a traffic ticket, you know, and you start getting these notices at your house from attorneys, just random attorneys, like yo, how the fuck they know I got pulled over last week or whatever. Yeah, it's because you show up in a civil court data lead for uh, the county. I purchase the civil court data lead and I send you a letter. That how do le people purchase these court data leads? Oh, you just you, you. There's companies that sell them. I mean, if you just look Google the word civil court data leads. And, and, and it'll your, come up. And it'll come up. There's People companies yeah, that sell yeah. them. We don't, we don't research shit. Yeah, right, they, they sell them. So I buy them, and then I put all the letters together, and I mail them out. And those Yourself? People, no, I don't mail them out myself. Um, I, have a, I have a paralegal in the office, uh, Chris. Chris mails them all out. 
not to be confused with Chris Styles, <laughs> but he mails them all out. And um, about two days later, we get a call. How do we mail them out for so cheap? I mean, I'm giving you free game on this one. We get them for so cheap because we go and buy what is called a postage permit. A postage permit is just something where you go to your local, um, your local post office. You tell them what you're trying to do, which is like bulk mail, and they'll let you be able to post things for like 18 cents, 16 cents, depending on the county where yeah. you're mailing it. I mail them out, and the clients call us. Some clients want a bankruptcy. Some clients just don't want to go to court. Uh, the majority of these people are going to be immigrants. Uh, people who don't understand our court system, and they're going to pay you to negotiate their debt on their behalf. My paralegal then calls the attorney over there, and the, it's, it's you already know who the attorney is because you know the case number to the person's case. This is all you can Google all this. Not, not you can't Google it. You can look it up on what is called um, uh, case search. Excuse me, which is a, it's a different thing. You don't have to buy any of this stuff, but you can find all this stuff for free. Um, you look it up. You find the person, you can call the attorney or the company that owns that debt, and you negotiate the debt. So it's here's a, something that has nothing to do with you. No, nothing at all. Like, you're literally minding somebody else's business. I'm very much minding someone else's business, yes. You, you go in there, you say, hey, this person, oh, I'll pay to know who owes who money. I find out who owes who money. I let them know that they owe them money. And you have a pending court date that's coming. And you have to be in court, and I know, I know the day of the court date. I know you don't want to deal with this shit. I know I know you don't want to do any of this shit. Here's what I'm gonna do for you. Yes. You get an attorney, uh, an attorney for them. Mm -hmm. They pay you the money. They settle their debt, and they go about their business. That's it. So it's a one, two, three business. It's what it's that, and and you have, uh, in a in a week's time, you have well over. Six, seven thousand chances to do it. It's that much. That's one state. That's not per the country. That's per state. My state is six to seven thousand people who probably get sued every week. Wow. <laughs> this is this is this is this is free game. Yo. Remember, I was like, telling you like that business makes roughly about five thousand dollars a week or a little more. Yeah. Yeah, that's how. That's all we do. Um. As we kept talking, um, we just giving away so many gems here, and I really do appreciate this, man. I'm telling you, he, 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 you know, hey, if you don't believe any of this shit, man, go to my Instagram. This shit is there. We dropping knowledge in the most lavish way. <laughs> it's up there, yo. Go get these gems, like seriously. And I want you to be able to visually see it. That's really the main thing for me because I could sit here and we could talk for hours and hours. But mm -hmm. I want you to see something to let you know that what we're saying is not bullshit. What's another business that uh, people don't think about that they could get into, let's say, if they just want to start something up and really, you know, get to this bag? Um, if, you're very if you're very serious and you're very, like, focused and motivated, uh, one of my other businesses that um, I'm into is uh, marijuana logistics. So specifically, so I know a lot of people yeah. think the money is with the, like the dispensaries. Oh, I'm gonna go over there. I'm open up my dispensary. I'm about to get this bread. Did I get my license? I'm gonna sell weed. <laughs> top dollar. The top dollar is in the flower. I, I will not lie. That that is that is 100% true. Um, it is just more difficult because no no different than a liquor license. They're going to heavily tax it. 
heavily regulated. It's going to be a good old boy system, and there's only going to be so many licenses that are going to go around. So you can say, yo, you know, I'm about to try to get into this business. It's like prohibition. I'm about to get into it. But I always thought left. I always thought outside of the box. And the first thing that I saw when I was seeing everyone trying to get into dispensaries, I thought logistics. Okay. And, and so what reason, does this mean? And so logistics is just the movement of items you know, for people, third-party movement of items, in essence, FedEx, UPS, DHL. And, like, people got to be stupid not to even see this because I'm really surprised they don't see this. How many stadiums are named after FedEx, UPS, whether or, or any sort of logistics company? A few of them. So if logistics companies can get that big, if USPS, the United States Postal Service, will gladly distribute some of its business to UPS because there's so much logistics business to move things around. Why would you waste time on a dispensary? Yeah, uh, they, would, they, they would give them work to do. Yes, because, because there's we, so much. Because it's too much work for us right now. Yeah. Y'all want to eat, come through, y'all Y'all start distributing too. So don't even worry about it. So where's the money? The money is in delivery and the movement of oh, the product, shit. of the flower itself. There's always going to be more money in the flower, believe me, because obviously you're growing something from nothing into where you can sell it. But you can make a nice amount of money, as I even make that nice amount of money myself, by organizing and distributing and delivering for dispensaries. That simple. Again, something that really has nothing to do with you, you're making yourself a part of this equation. Yes, yes distributing the weed so there must be like laws and of how to transport there is so the part that i won't get into because it's the it's my edge um in how i do it is that um i'm not going to tell you you know exactly how i'm doing it but what i am going to tell you is that each state has a particular set of laws of how you distribute product how product needs to be packaged and how and what needs to go on with it you got to do the homework. You got to do the rest of your homework yourself. You got to do your homework. If you're not serious about making this money and acquiring this wealth, you got to do some work. But I can tell you that it wouldn't take you it, it wouldn't take you $5,000 to do this. It would not. No, it wouldn't. Okay. If if it took you more than 5,000, you're making it too hard on yourself. It's, it doesn't take $5,000. Okay, so they they they, they, they each state has the different laws, yes. XYZ. Yeah. So they they have different laws, so how you um how you go into your logistics, how you organize them has a lot to do with you understanding the laws in that state and then taking those laws and using them to your advantage. Um, I know that these things aren't particularly being done in the best of ways because I see how people advertise their means of distributing their marijuana and it shows that they, they're not aware, mm. but I have seen, mm, maybe two white companies, like white owned companies that pay attention to what I understand and what I'm saying. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So like distribute the marijuana, like I, that shit right there. The movement of it itself. Yes. It just blows my mind that we don't even really, I don't even really think about this. I don't even want to speak for anybody else. I don't really think about this. Um, I just saw recently that Amazon is about to just, not even use FedEx, UPS, and all Damn. of these other logistics companies anymore. They're going to go ahead and move this shit themselves. <laughs> Can you imagine Amazon having its own FedEx? Like, it, it's called Amazon now? That's and crazy. this is how you can ship things? 
And they should. They should. You that know. is going to change the game. Amazon well, ships everything, everywhere. Remember I was telling you about competition in the last episode? Yeah. And how we, I was saying, like, when I look at some of these moguls, I don't look at them and, like, I want to stand next to them. I look at them, I, I want their head. Right. Jeff Bezos, as much as y'all may think this guy is, like, this nerd or whatever, Bezos is competitive. Zuckerberg is competitive. These mm-hmm. people are trying to behead people. Like he, he, he doesn't have to continue to go after these markets if he doesn't want to. He's going after these markets to dominate them, mm. and that's what's going to happen. So it is the same way. If you, if you're coming into business, it's like, it's like when it's like when um, Instagram started the live story. Yes, <laughs> they didn't give a fuck. It, Not- it's literally the exact thing that Snapchat is. Yes, correct. They said, "Hey, since we can't buy Snapchat." We'll do it ourselves. Fuck you. Yeah. There's literally an executive that's it's there. It's the same. The filters. Believe the, me. There's the a meeting that says, fuck them. We'll do it. The expiration. <laughs> the, everything. Yes. God. There's there's a meeting that says, fuck them. We're doing this. 100%. So competition should be your motivator. That chip on your shoulder should be your motivator if you really want to make money. You really want to be in this. Like I said, I saw some of the comments from the last um, episode mm-hmm. and what I was saying that some I wonder if people are seeing is that how serious and how competitive you have to be. There's a I, I go back to Kobe again because I I love his fervor. I love his, who he was, his, his his tenacity of how he played. There's no I don't care even when you pick Bron. There's no one else that comes close. Not to make it into sports metaphor, right, right, right. But that motherfucker worked, man. Like yeah, no. people work. He was maniacal about. There, there was um there was a, a quote. <laughs> That my guy had told me he was just basically like, "Yo, man, Kobe worked until no, right?" And that's that's all. They said, "Kobe, how do you know when to stop putting up shots in the gym? How do you know when you want to, you know, what I'm saying, wrap it up and go back home and say, okay, maybe I'll come back tomorrow?" He said, "Until no, that means." complete exhaustion that means when i physically my body will not allow me to put the ball over my head to shoot it to the rim that is the point i say okay time to go home (laughs) and business is the same I, i look at i mean i look at so many different interviews of people talking about kobe right this is my favorite player but like the guy's work ethic is just second to none yeah you know what i'm saying they at USA games, and he's in there two hours before the game starts. Most people are resting. Most people are saying, hey, this is the opportunity for me to catch up on some sleep. And you know, he's perfecting, perfecting, perfecting his craft. How could you lose if you put in the work? You can't. How could you lose if you put in the time? How could you lose if you go until no? You know what I mean? Yeah. I just thought it was the coolest shit in the world. Yeah, and I I take business that exact same way. You know, that's how, that's my edge, that I want it more than you do. I'm going to outwork you. If you know me, you know I'm always in this office. And I know it it, it doesn't, it's not the best quality of life all the time, but I'm going to give you this key point. What's that? I own a tax business, right? Yep. I told you that the person who started Jackson Hewitt started it in 1984. This is the same year that Michael Jordan enters the league. Okay. In 1994, he sold Jackson Hewitt, sold it for a little over $450 million. God damn. Okay, so 10 years, 400 and something million. 
Did Jordan make 400 something, 450 million in 10 years? He did not. He didn't even make 35 million a year until his final two years. The point of what I'm saying is like, you see the, you see the two comparisons. This is someone that all they did was a tax business income tax preparation 450. Uh, and then uh, that's it. And then he turned around and opened Liberty tax afterwards. Oh my God. I think that part right there is so important. And I say that because the niggas want to be athletes. <laughs> not so much that, but like we want to work. We want to go ahead and we want to do, do something, whatever it may be. And we're like, all right, I did the work. It's time. It's time to get paid. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I, I didn't have the conversations. I didn't put in the, the effort. I didn't put down my money. I didn't invested everything that I could invest. It's time to get paid. And they don't understand that time. That's a missing factor. Yeah. You have to give things time. They must mature. There's no like our key thing in this episode that I could talk about is that there's no substitute for time. Even Kobe said it. It is all time consuming. He yeah. could, uh, just look up the interview for Graham Norton. He talks about perfection and greatness and how it's time consuming. It's all time consuming. So there's no way around time. Yeah. But if you let those things mature, if you put in the time, if you don't allow yourself, you're going to be discouraged. But if you don't allow yourself to fold, you know, that'll be another episode where we talk about mental toughness. If you don't allow yourself to fold, that's what gets you through. Because just a, just a, a, a quick glimpse into it. Someone like Kobe should have been finished after Eagle Colorado. He should yeah. have been finished, mentally crippled and done. Yeah. That nigga was more of a problem after Eagle Colorado. Yeah, man. Like <laughs> and, and, and and another thing we spoke about is like you could enter something and you could you could even try to go ahead and start your own business. And you could go ahead and you might not be become you know wealthy in taxes and tax services and distribution and logistics and all of this kind of stuff. It may spawn off into something else. You know what I mean? That's another thing that we need to take into account. It's not going to always be the same game plan and the same plan that you had in your head. And uh, look how many things done changed about the script in your life now. How many things are changing constantly, but you think that this it's, it's going to take time. It's going to mature on its own. And I say just go with the process, man. Definitely. Go with the process, man. I feel like we've been giving away so many gems on this episode. I mean, this is going to be the episode that people are really, really waiting for because this is some cold, hard, listen, we, we did everything but do the work for you. Like, this is really a, a, a map and a game plan. You just really got to put in the work. But, like, don't don't leave us with – What's I know you got some leads, some stocks that people – that some – Things that people could be putting their money down on, some IPOs that's about to happen, a merger, something. Get a listener something so they could, you know, like I know you got something. There's a big one coming up. Um, you know, I can't tell you the exact time right now. Probably on our next episode, I can give you the exact time. My name is Chris Dows. This is Trapping Anonymous. Let's this get... episode of Trapping Anonymous is engineered by Bun Shania Lunsford. Trapping Anonymous, Hedge Front Anonymous series. That was the third part. Hope y'all really do uh, got a lot of insight and a lot of jewels and gems from um, this series. Um, before we keep it going, um, I want y'all to really hit up trappinglemonade.com. Uh, pick up your Trapping Anonymous sweatsuit. Uh, help support 
you know, y'all, y'all, lo- y'all love these episodes. Y'all want to uh, see more of these episodes. Um, I need y'all to, you know, pick up a sweatsuit. I need y'all to, you know what I mean, um, really help support us and keep this thing going. TrappingLemonade.com. Just Trapping Anonymous. My name is Chris Styles. Check me out on Instagram. Check me out on Twitter. Um, if you want to check out anything I'm doing, if you just want to write me, email me. If you got some things, some ideas from the new episodes, don't hesitate to hit me up. Let me know. Uh, subscribe to us on iTunes. Make sure you uh, like us on there. Leave a leave a dope comment. Um, SoundCloud, same thing. Uh, appreciate you all. You already know what time it is. It's Chris Dallas, Trapping Anonymous. Let's get it.